And welcome back to the Film School for Marketers podcast. This is episode number 12. Insane. Insane. Y'all have been hanging out for three months and we love you for that. As always, I am one of your hosts, Zach Basner, with my co-host, Mariah Anderson. And today we come with some pretty cool stuff, uh, some pretty interesting stuff Mm -hmm. that not a lot of sales and marketing folks are really talking about in the way that we should. We're talking about the Gen Zers. So Gen Zers are uh, the generation after millennials. So they were born in the mid-90s to the early 2000s. So these folks are in their early 20s, late teens. Now, the reason we're talking about this is because the Gen Zers represent roughly 25% of the U.S. population, which is insane to me. Mm-hmm. But the problem is many companies aren't tailoring some of their digital experiences to this new generation. And so we've got this great study that we're going to talk about today that uh, we found a couple of weeks ago. And it's a little bit of an older study. It was done back in 2017, which doesn't make it any less relevant. It was done by Awesomeness and a boutique marketing agency called Trendera. And essentially, just to set up some of the stuff we're going to talk about, the, the, the group that they used, they, they basically got a thousand of these Gen Zers from 13 to 17. It was a mix of female and male mixed throughout different regions in the U.S., so the South, the West, the Midwest, the Northeast. And all of the, the respondents to the study had a smartphone and at least one major social media platform. So that is kind of the group that we're going to be talking about. Now, before we get into some of the really, really interesting stuff and, and, and things that are really important to us as uh, sales and marketing professionals in general, but also how we're using video, while I was reading the intro letter, Mariah, something like really dawned on me that I didn't really think about before, which is that this, the, the Gen Zers, this generation are true digital natives. Like they, they don't know a world where, where there is no high-speed internet, where there is no social media or access to information like really fast, right? They they've always had this incredible access to each other and to information their entire life. I remember reading something in there that was like their digital savants. Like they can just like, in terms of consuming content, the rate at which they can do it and skim through things is just insane and how quickly they can process all of that information. It's crazy. Yeah. What would we do without, I mean, I'm not even a Gen Zer, but I feel like reliant on technology. So I don't even, how would they even cope or know what to do? Like, do they know how to, Write hand letters, <laughs> handwritten letters. Uh, Probably not. Yeah. I I kind of envy them. They never grew up in a world with, with dial up. <laughs> yeah, that would not uh, go down well with them. You know, it's crazy too. I was when I was reading this and like doing a little bit more digging about Gen Z. It's so funny because I feel like recently I was like, oh, Gen Z. You know, that's like those are just like super young kids right now. Like in terms of a lot of companies, unless you're like toys or things for children, like it doesn't matter. So not true. I mean, this runs from age four to 24. Like we're here. These people have graduated college. They're entering into their professional careers. They're, you know, about to start families. Who knows? And I mean, you're almost a a Gen Zer, Zach. (laughs) You're on the cusp. I'm not far off. But these are, these are, I mean, like you're saying, these people are entering the, the workforce right now. So if you're going to be to be market, there's a very good chance that you're going to be selling to Mm -hmm. a Gen Zer or you're going to be selling to a team that has a Gen Zer on it. Yeah. 
or, you know, especially if you're in B2C, I mean, what are they not buying that other generations are buying? You know, like these people are our customers, right? They're not, like you're saying, they're not just young kids who (laughs) aren't buying things, aren't in the market, aren't, uh, that we're not selling or marketing to. I mean, so there are so many takeaways that came from this study that was done. And I can't wait to share it in our show notes as well to hear like what things you were just like shocked by. So, I mean, the first thing is, is we know, like you were saying that the digital world is like everything to them. Video is also obviously a huge part of that. And one of the things that was pointed out is that in a typical day, the average Gen Zer watches 68 videos on at least five different platforms. That's a whole lot of video. That means people are not necessarily reading things. They prefer like when you're... And I'm the same. I think of it too. I'm the same way. I'm scrolling through my social media platforms. I don't really stop for things that are written necessarily, but I stop for a video to watch the captions on it. (laughs) Um, But if that says anything about if you're not doing video now, like that is what they're consuming. That's how they're getting their information. That's how they're doing research. That's a big chunk of their day watching videos. One thing that stuck out to me, the, the very first thing that I saw in this study that stuck out to me was that 55% don't have to see someone in person in order to feel connected to yeah. them. Over, so that's over half of these respondents said they would feel connected to somebody even if they hadn't met them in person. I, I look at some of, these, some of these younger folks who like follow these big time content creators, which I have content creators that I follow too, so I can't say anything. But like they watch people just playing video games. Like they're not even playing the game. They're just watching people play the games or they like, they, they follow these content creators like PewDiePie and like all of these really big YouTube stars. And they legitimately feel connected to those people in in no different of a way that they would feel connected to someone who is right in front of them. It's really fascinating. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me because it's like, wow, we talk about how video really is the thing that builds trust and that people feel so much more connected and feel like they know you. And so anytime the argument comes up that it's like, well, I don't know if it really builds trust or like, does it really make a difference? I mean, Hey, the stats show that it does. And I'm the same way. I mean, I, especially, I mean, right now there's, I don't think it's new, but there's this rise of like micro influencers who are people who, you know, aren't celebrities, but they're producing this content and a lot of times sponsored content. And I follow a lot of them and if I saw them in person, I would already feel like I was friends with them because they've done a really good job of like not being extra curated or they're just, they're so real through video, which is another stat that really actually stood out to me, um, which was that when they broke it down by online aesthetic from Gen Zers, millennials to Gen Xers, Gen Xers, liked more raw online aesthetic millennials, more curated, which was interesting, but Gen Zers liked imperfect. So when we talk about the kinds of video that you create, how you create it, um, I think that speaks to not being overly produced and being more true and real. And that's how you're going to connect with a lot of these generations. One thing that, that makes me think about is how as businesses, we have to put our people out in front of the business to build their brands and let people get connected to them Mm. on a personal level. Yeah. So oftentimes businesses don't want to do that. They don't want to have, they don't want to take folks who could leave at some point. They could quit. They could get fired. They could say that they don't want to be in content anymore. Like businesses don't want to take that risk of putting their people out in front. 
But actually what we see is that people prefer to have that connection to a real person mm-hmm. and feel that connection. And if as businesses, we are stifling that, then we're missing out on potentially a lot of, of brand loyalty and possibly you know, revenue at the end of the day because they don't feel connected and they're going to get connected somewhere else or with someone else. Yeah, exactly. And I think so even connecting like, you know, in your marketing team, you have an understanding obviously of who your specific audience is. And when you're identifying not only the types of video that you're doing, but who's going to be in those videos, like think about that. Like who do you feel like is going to best connect with your specific audience? Um, Because sometimes I feel like companies are like, let's only put like the best up front or like only these certain people when at the end of the day, it might be people you didn't even expect that you should be putting on video because they're truly going to connect. They're in the shoes of your audience. Um, and it could be really powerful. Yeah. We talk a lot about um, YouTube as yeah. well. And this is this confirmed everything that I've been saying about YouTube for a long time, which is, you know, when, when I was in high school, Facebook was the thing. Like that's what everybody spent time on. That was the that was the platform. There wasn't really other ones. Instagram wasn't really that big. Twitter wasn't really that big. Like Facebook was the thing. When I saw that on a typical day, which apps do you use most? Out, out of all the respondents, seventy eight percent said YouTube, and that was the highest. <laughs> YouTube was the highest. Snapchat being the second one. This next generation is relying on short form video mm-hmm. on YouTube to connect and watch and be entertained. And that's, if that's where they're spending their time, that's where we need to market to them. Yeah. And when you say short, short form videos, 86% say that they'll watch videos less than 10 minutes, 55 say less than five minutes. So truly short form. The attention span is very, very short. It just keeps getting shorter and shorter in terms of like the new generations that we have um, and how important it is to focus the length and the type of content that you're doing on that. I also, it's so funny to me because I don't know what app I thought was going to be reigning king amongst Gen Zers, but YouTube has been around for so long that in my head, it's like, oh, like maybe there's something better and greater that I don't even know about. But the fact that it's been around this long and it's it's the focus area and the thing that Gen Zers care about the most kind of blows my mind. I mean, it makes sense in terms of if video is the main thing that they like to consume, that that's the platform that they prefer to be on. But, and they even said that in terms of like responding to marketing, not even just like being entertained by silly, fun videos on YouTube, like Gen Zers prefer to be marketed to, or they respond better on YouTube when it comes to marketing than any other platform. If you're going to pick a app to focus on, if you're going to pick a platform to focus on, Maybe it's not Facebook. Maybe it's not Instagram. Maybe it really should be YouTube. Mm-hmm. And YouTube continuing to to it's just like any of these, like Google or Facebook or Instagram, continuing to make updates that are going to cater it to the, the the users and keeping them on there. Mm-hmm. And so YouTube is going to continue to optimize. They've already done a lot over the past few years to keep you on there. It's not just a place you go, you watch a video and then you leave. They want you to stay. And so they, you know, they've added a lot of things to, to help extend that viewing session in terms of being able to like continue to watch a video and also look for the next video at the same time. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're using the YouTube mobile app, it's very easy to fast forward or rewind through a video so you can navigate through it a lot quicker. The feed has become much more curated and much more personalized mm-hmm. over the past even year than it ever was before. 
because before really all you saw was trending things. Now the feed that you get on the, on the mobile app or even on the desktop uh, is so much more curated to what you've been watching and based on just your, your viewing behavior and what else you're doing while you're out there. I mean, it's see, YouTube is seeing everything that everybody's doing. So it's going to start to tailor that content. Well, it was interesting to me too, because I mean, gosh, I, and it's, I end up in the black hole of YouTube videos. I'll start with one and then like an hour and a half goes by. And I'm like, what, where have I gone? What have I done? <laughs> Something interesting too is, so in terms of like the type of content that um, Gen Zers prefer. So it was talking about how they are more interested in content that's relevant and entertaining to them, which is different from millennials cared more about like authenticity and transparency and I think the greater social good. But Gen Zers, they just want to be entertained and they all they care about is something that's specific to them. They don't want to know about anything that's not. Um, so I think keeping that in mind when you're thinking about the video content that you're creating, if that's your audience. We don't talk a lot about Snapchat. So this says two and three Gen Zs know whether a Snapchat story will be interesting within a few seconds or less. Mm. And 10% know before they watch it. What? How, how do they know before they watch it? It's Maybe like a sixth like, sense they've been given? Yeah, probably. <laughs> There's a new uh, sense that's been given to the Gen Zers they can understand. Probably the thumbnail or like the, the, the still of the video. People are just getting really good at that, I guess. Like, oh, who's in it? Does it look like actionable? Is it just like a selfie of somebody? Is it multiple people? But all of that takes into account whether someone finds it interesting. They pull them on what makes things more likely or what make a video more likely uh, for them to watch it all the way through. Mm -hmm. 52% said that it's funny. 46 said it's a topic I'm interested in. 44% said I have a good sense of what it will be about. 43% say it's short. 42% said it's created by someone I know slash like. I'm seeing trends of the video six in mm. some of these as well. You know, uh, this, this kind of thirst for instant gratification of like, I want to know if it's going to be worth my time or not. So having that really great, strong teaser and having great segments. So, you know, if they want to have a great sense for what the video is going to be about, being able to explain what the segments are within your video. Mm. And there's this great quote from uh, a psychologist in here. Her name is Susan Blackmore. And she says, young people now count on the internet as their external brain and have become skillful, skillful decision makers, even while they also thirst for instant gratification and often make quick, shallow choices. It's, it's, it's like a paradox of like being skillful decision makers, but while at the same time consuming just a lot of information really quickly and not just wanting that instant answer really, really fast. This is, this is the fundamental portion of being a great educator in your space. It's showing what they need to see, when they need to see it, and telling them what they need to know, when they need to know it, and just doing it quickly, concisely, and doing it better than anybody. That's, that doesn't change for any of these generations, but if it's true for Gen Z, it's certainly going to be true for the generations afterwards. Uh, be, being that great educator, giving them the information they need quickly un, in an unbiased way, in a transparent way, is, is super important for this generation. Honestly, like when I think about, so this is where we, where we were before, where we are today and where we're going to be with it. Like I even see if the attention span is getting shorter and shorter and shorter, like these videos are going to need to get shorter, shorter, more concise, straight to the point, like entertaining slash like what exactly what they're interested in, no fluff because they're just going to skip right past you. So like to keep that in mind as you continue 
to go forth in your years of marketing is just going to get, I feel like worse and worse. <laughs> Before we get into the dark side of social, because there is some like really kind of haunting things about uh, this study that they, that they found. Uh, this one last thing I want to talk about is how in oftentimes folks will ask me, should I be posting my videos across every social platform? Like when I create a video, should I be like doing it on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, emailing it out, doing all these things. Um, and it's, it's, it, de- it depends on the industry or, or what the topic matter is, depending on how I answer this. But just as some food for thought, um, they found in this study that 57% don't like it when people post the same content across multiple social media platforms. If this, if this doesn't show you know, how important originality is and how important tailoring the experience per platform uh, is important. I don't know what does like that. This is so, so important. Um, but yeah, the dark side of social. So let's talk about this because this is really interesting and also a little bit haunting. <laughs> 56% of Jen's years would like to have a larger following on social media than they currently have. And one in four admit to doing, <laughs> admit to doing something just to post about it on social media. Yeah. I, I love how it's <laughs> how they worded that. One in four admit <laughs> that they did something. Anonymously, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So what does that mean? Like they went to I mean, hey, like I know some people who do this actually. Like they'll plan out their outfit slash like plan a day trip just to like post it. It's so true. Wow. Well, it's like it's the inevitability of social media. It's like that Black Mirror episode. Oh. Did you ever see the one where basically it comes down to um, to being rated by your peers? Essentially, it's it's like the way you rate Uber drivers. You just walk around, you rate everybody all day, and you give them stars. Mm-hmm. And you know where social media becomes this facade because you're trying to to get ahead, uh, you know, on the social ladder. That's disturbing. Wow. Uh, one in five Gen Z's trolled someone on social media. One in five left a mean comment on someone's post. One in five wanted to hang out with someone just because they were popular on social media. Wait, like the the trolling and the bullying, like one in five, that's actually, that's sad. That's really bad. And I think that's something that, gosh, I mean, I hear from like friends and family members who work in education and like people who have like younger kids yeah, the dark side of like bullying online. I, I don't even want to get into that. It's so sad. I forget that that's a reality. So what is, what are these things mean for businesses, especially like the whole people doing things to be liked on social media? Like, what does that mean for companies? Well, one of the things that they found as well that kind of, I think coincides with this is that they did mention how responding to comments and things directly made a a lot bigger difference. So you know, being engaged and, and helping, you know, making those followers feel important. And, uh, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can promote positivity and, um, make your brand look good, even when these kind of evil things are going on. Right. So like the trolling and the leaving mean posts and things like that, that's, I think it's a good opportunity for businesses to, to be the white knight in the situation. You know, some of these Twitter accounts like the Wendy's Burger King, like Twitter accounts, I mean, they do a great job of, of they, like, they know that people are going to troll them and they troll them right back, but it's <laughs> an endearing way. It's, it's not like a nasty way. It's, it's, it, it just, 
it makes the brand look better. It builds the brand, uh, and it will build brand equity long-term. I think besides the, you know, the kind of the weird, bad things that happen with social media, what the study shows us is that we need to be reaching that generation. These are our buyers. They're representing a large part of our market, uh, our markets, depending on what type of industry or what business you're in. Uh, but we've got to be reaching them on social and they want to be engaged on social. It's not like uh, maybe some other generations that would prefer not to see brands and not to be advertised to. This is a generation that actually wants to be engaged with a brand and wants to be advertised to. Uh, two and three uh, say they like seeing content from brands on social media. 79% wow. say they're more likely to see branded content if they think it's unique. Uh, 60% have purchased a product after seeing it advertised on social media. I mean, these these are really compelling stats. This is encouraging. It's really encouraging. But I think the, one of the, the one of the best things about the study is they really kept it uh, objective and they really tried to figure out the why. So why is it that, that Gen Gs are acting this way? And what do they want to see out of all this content they're consuming? Mm-hmm. So the major trends that you see in here, and I encourage any of you listeners or, or viewers to, to go and check out the, the study as well for yourself, but be original, be helpful, keep it concise, put your people out in front. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all things we talk about all the time, but this is just confirming that if it's important now, it's definitely going to be important for this next generation and the generation after. Yeah. And that Gen Z is here. Like, I can't emphasize that. I feel like we're stuck in this, like, well, millennials, 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 but it's like, that's of the past now. <laughs> Not really, but uh, Gen Z is here. Um and we need to start tailoring our marketing towards those people. Well, we'll be sure to drop some of our favorite takeaways from the study in the show notes. You can also go and check out the study for yourself in the show notes. If you have any questions, comments, things you want to talk with us about, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at ImpactFSM, or you can comment on the YouTube video, whichever you would like. But we hope that you reach out to us and, and let us know what you think. We hope you learned a lot today about how to market to this next generation. And we hope you come back for a new episode next week. New episodes every Tuesday. Until we see you next time, keep learning.